Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. The Premier League All Access podcast is proud to be brought to you by Ladbrokes. Stay ahead of all the big games in the best league in the world, the Premier League. With the latest odds, form guides, expert opinions and more. The fans are the players at Ladbrokes. Are you in? Let's go. Play at ladbrokes.com. 18 plus, be gambleaware.org. T's and C's apply. This is a game day podcast from Talk Sport. The Record Book. Hello and a very happy new year to each and every one of you. I'm Danny Kelly. This is the Game Day, the Record Book podcast. I think most of you have got the idea by now. And myself and two guests each weekend um, try and uh, talk about the best and worst, the heroes and villains of the Premier League and beyond in the hope that one day by the end of the season you will have the definitive no-holes-barred 14-carat no, let's promote that to 24-carat um, record of the entire season. I'm delighted to say um, that seeing us through into 2020, um, I'm joined by the comedian, football pundit, um, and uh, these days podcaster here and elsewhere <laughs> at 365 as well now, uh, Mark Smith. Hello, Mark. Hello, Danny. Thanks Thank for having you. me on for and, this uh, the final show of the decade. That's why we've got the big guns out, yeah, Mark. Here. And of course, uh, right at the top of the tree, uh, the former Crystal Palace, Queen's Park Rangers. I never know which clubs to leave out. Portsmouth, <laughs> um, uh, midfielder and star these days, football coach extraordinary. Uh, Sean Derry is here as well. How are you, Sean? I'm delighted. Delighted uh, to be here. Absolutely. Uh, Dis- despite we, uh, despite her, uh, bereavement in the family over the Christmas period. Yes, absolutely. We lost what was our, she called? It was a he, 17 uh. year old cat, Alfie. So um, we lost him on the 22nd. Farewell, we Sir Alfie. Yeah. Early on the 20th. And what is that called? When a you very won? quick turnaround. Charlie. Yeah. yeah we arrived. We, 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 we named him Charlie because um, we've um, we got him from a, a drugs den. Oh, excellent. Places, yeah. So yeah. we thought it would be an So it was Charlie or him. Chang, yeah? Very yeah. good. Um, and uh, incidentally, um, some terrible disrespect when you announced uh, that your cat had died and uh, you got a new one the next day. Uh, Mark Smith thought it was appropriate to say, it's not a TV remote, you don't have to change it the next day. Just replace it immediately. Oh, God, the idea yeah. of... Imagine, you should put it in my mind now. Imagine the TV remote breaking during Christmas. Oh. Just, you'd have to break into a garage to get the batteries, wouldn't you? You, you really, really <laughs> that would. That would be worse than losing a, a family member. High up into the air, looking for Puki. Chest it down. He's in behind for Tom and his. Is it home? And Puki scored again. And Norwich have scored again. And Tottenham are being beaten away in Carrow Road by two goals to nil. Offside. Oh, I think Tottenham have got so, so lucky. No goal. Tiemo Puki's goal, which he thought would be his 10th of the season, has been chalked off for offside. It's absurd. It's not only Wolves. It's for all the teams. It's all the teams. All the managers, all the players are concerned. We cannot do anything. We have to survive. A lot of competition. A lot of games already. 
Villain is the thing we're doing first on the Game Day Record Book podcast. I think I need to start here because uh, I'm so emotional about it. I think the, the, we may have to replace the rest of the show. Um, my villain of the uh, the weekend and the week and of the season so far is Mr. Michael Riley. Mike Riley, who runs the uh, professional referees. Uh, first of all, let me uh, once again remind people I was in. In, incandescently in support of VAR for 10 years I have banged the table demanding video assistance for referees and officials as my faith in what I'd seen as a young man in the 70s and 80s and 90s um, diminished as I thought all I'm seeing now with 20 with 21 TV cameras is that every game is decided by wrong refereeing decisions yeah. this can't be right well, they brought in VAR which I really campaigned for and for the first six weeks I sat there grimacing and thinking, hang on, this isn't working out the way I thought it would. I thought this would be simple, quick, inclusive of the fans and help everyone to get away from these terrible refereeing decisions. And in the last few weeks, in mid-November, it had gone so badly, if you remember, they had a big meeting about it, mm. and the Premier League, who, let's not forget, employ the referees, they are the ultimate bosses, and Riley put out this statement saying, everything's going really well, 97% brilliant and... Uh, but the, that's no good if the 3% is driving people away from the game. And this weekend, we saw um, with Timo Puki, we saw with uh, Will Zaha, we saw every with... Every game it felt like yeah, there was one. every single game. Um, particularly these ridiculous armpit offsides, they're going to get known. The problem is, we've gone from, here's something that needs to settle in, to something that people hate. Mm -hmm. They hate, loathe despise and abominate VAR now. And the brand may already be so tarnished they're gonna to have to rename it something else next season when they try and fix it. Because it's gone to it's gone to the dogs. And I called earlier today on Talk Radio for Mike Riley to resign. I shouted at the top of my there's a very pink faced version of me on Twitter shouting for Mike Riley uh, to resign because I can't think of any other way to get this fool out of his grief hole. Because all you'll do is double down on it again. Sean, I don't know if you were if you were in favour in the first place, uh, but it's not working, is it? Well, when I was managing at Cambridge, I had a really tough game. We had a tough game away at Coventry, and two of the decisions from the referee on that day, particularly, didn't get me sacked. You know, many sure. many situations get you sacked at the end of the day, but the two major decisions really cost us that game on that day. And I thought back then it would be brilliant if it did get filtered down to the le sure. levels of League Two at that moment. So I was in agreement with you that we did need VAR. However, I was at the game at St Mary's yesterday. Palace um, obviously travelled away to Southampton. I mean, you mentioned the Wilfred Zaha situation. I mean, there was nobody in that ground, not one person within a crowd of 30,000 who thought it was offside. And in instantly it comes through on social media and you see the images and you just think, this is ridiculous. Your heart sinks, doesn't well, it? it? Does. Yes, yeah. absolutely. Your heart sinks, but the emotion that is through the roof, on a high, and that's everything that we love about being involved in the game of football, was took away from <coughs> you in an absolute heartbeat. And I don't think that's fair. Richard Williams, a man who I've uh, followed, first he was a great writer about music, and more recently, brilliant writer about sport. His work on Formula One, I can't stand car racing, but I read Richard's stuff. He is a uh, rational, decent human being. When he's forced to tweet that after 60 years of following football, I'm now turning this game off after the Pookie incident. And I see more and more of it. More and more. I've seen, I've seen dozens of these tweets now. And it's really, really... It's, it's embarrassing to be a football fan or, or someone who's in the media on the football side of things. It's, 
you just feel like saying, like over Christmas is a perfect example. You've got all your family around. Some of them might not watch football that often. And they're watching this and they're thinking, what am I looking at? What is it? Why are you disallowing that? You can't score with your armpit anyway. It's, and it's really, happening all the time. really simple. However they do it, however they stop it for 18 months and come back with the rules rewritten, whether they change what they're doing, that will involve Mike Riley committing he was wrong, that won't happen. Whatever they do, we must get back to the decisions are being made in the stadium, not in West London. We can't have people running their bollocks off hmm. in a, on a football pitch to have the game decided. Uh, in the, the, you know, it's how the television commentators now stop calling it Stockley Park. It's the West London HQ. Because yeah. obviously Stockley Park was becoming such an odious, <laughs> um, toxic brand itself. They've just changed Property it. Property prices going through the floor as a result of it. <laughs> yeah, people people moving their kids out of school so they, <laughs> they don't go to Stockley Park High. I've got, uh, I've got to say that I was, I was also pro VAR before it came in. And I still am. I still think it's not going to go away. It is here. But in this iteration... It can't survive. I don't know why we've gone and said, you know what, we'll have VAR like they have in America or in Germany, but we're going to get it and we're going to essentially bastardise it and change it. So it arrogance. Fit. Pure, it arrogance, unadulterated yeah. arrogance. We're better than everybody else. Well, in this case, it turns out we're not. Um, I, w- I will leave room for other villains. Uh, Sean, um, you want to... You, <laughs> Good luck, Sean. Actually, you've got... No, no, you've got... An, an, actually, I think you've got a very legitimate case here. I, I do. I think you've got a very valid... Uh, viewpoint from this um, um, mine's the moans and groans of um, predominantly Premier League managers okay so we talk about the the schedule of the Boxing Day fixture oh, throwing you're so a 28 right. you're so right Sean oh, and then you've oh, well bless their little hearts they've got to go roll out <laughs> again on the 1st of um, January when I played it was the best best time of the season I used to love the Christmas period and the New Year period. Yeah, of course, you're tired and you're fatigued and you don't see your family. But you see your family for six weeks at the end of the season if you're not an international player, which not all Premier League players are. However... They mention about the lack of quality. Well, I've seen, I've witnessed a performance this afternoon with Liverpool, and Liverpool for me shown a complete different side of what their tour set is. They're brilliant on the eye, and they're brilliant going forward, and they've got these fantastic forward players. But this afternoon, Danny, they played, and they put in a real dogged performance to get the win at Wolves at home against Wolves this afternoon. And that's what football to me is all about. You can't have exciting football week in week out, and eights out of tens and nines out of ten it doesn't work that out you've got to dig in what is the sports science telling that they can't play three times in a week well everyone in the championship plays three times in a week for the entire year absolutely but is the argument not that the the, the quality if everyone's fatigued and essentially just knackered is it not that the overall quality takes a dive which by the way makes for for more interesting games much more exciting games absolutely I mean you've you've witnessed the game in the championship this afternoon Leeds winning 5-4 yeah. and surely that was fatigued yeah, throughout the game but if that had been played four weeks ago it wouldn't have been a 5-4 score and I'm told that without VAR the game flowed very very well for that 5-4 and who's going to who's going to remember the game longer those who watched the dotted lines at Southampton or those who saw a 5-4 albeit fatigued at St Andrews the answer is the latter absolutely um, that game might be a 0-0 if it was VAR my <laughs> <laughs> Nil minus one, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, what, Mark, what's yours? What's your villain of the week? Well, I feel like I can't really compete now because those two are excellent choices. Um, I'm going to go for the Arsenal goalkeeper, uh, Leno, uh, purely because Mikel Arteta's gone in there. He started very positively for Arsenal. It looks like it's been 
you know, potentially a good appointment. He's got one point in six. How positive is that? <laughs> but today against Chelsea, they were more... I thought they were pretty good for a large part of that game. I thought they're heading in for a, a big win against a local rival. For Leno, with eight minutes left, to go and just absolutely flap a, a pretty bread-and-butter ball for an international goalkeeper, I thought it was a huge letdown. However, having said all that, you know, it's not VAR and it's not managers moaning about the festive period, so... No, I mean, and Leno has been arguably their best player, along with Aubameyang, uh, this year. So sooner or later, I suppose, all goalkeepers drop a rick. Now, the truth is, I'm going to take my, I'm, I'm actually going to take Mike Riley out of this because um, it, it's beyond villain of the week. It's, it's much bigger than that. It's much bigger than all of us. And until his peanut-sized shiny head is seen on television <laughs> apologising for what he's done um, and apologising to me personally for making me look a mug because yes. I was so into the VAR and now I'm reversing beep, beep out of the situation beep, beep, week after week beep, beep until that happens he's beyond he's super villain of the week which leaves us with Bert Leno bless him, a decent goalkeeper <laughs> or the moaning minis of the Premier League saying we have to play football again I think we all know it's it's going to be the moaning minis of the Premier League, hasn't it? It has to be, surely. Yeah, surely. Sean, you, 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 of course, if you had a Premier League team under your in your charge, you'd be exactly the same. You know that, don't <laughs> what, you? I'd be moaning. Of course, yeah. I'd be yeah, moaning. Yeah, the sports scientists will tell you, Gov, they can't take another one. Shall we? You, you're going with that? Oh, yeah, absolutely. Here comes Troy Deeney. So often, the scourge of Aston Villa. Is he about to help himself to a second goal? Deeney, right foots it down the middle. Bounces into the area, Calvert-Lewin turns it home. Newcastle nil, Everton won from seven yards out. Dominic Calvert-Lewin got talked up big time by Carlo Ancelotti after scoring the winner against Burnley and he's put his side ahead again. Much more positivity here on the Game Day Record Book Podcast next with me, Danny Kelly, Mark Smith and Sean Derry. So pick our heroes of the week um mark you went last last time why don't you go first this time uh yeah with gusto uh my hero who does he play for (laughs) (laughs) i'm here all week unfortunately (laughs) for you all yeah i'm going for um dominic calvert lewin everton's young striker i feel as though he in the last few weeks particularly since uh, duncan ferguson took over as interim Mm. manager he's become a a proper center forward in the premier league who has changed from a, a fringe player of sorts, someone who would dip in and out of games for 10, 15 minutes, maybe overall, to becoming a proper centre-forward who can affect games regularly. Now, we've only got a small sample size to work with here, a matter of weeks, but in this last week, just gone, he scored both goals um, against Newcastle, and he also scored the winner against Burnley a few days before that. And I feel as though Duncan Ferguson said to him, look, this is what you should be doing as a Premier League striker. He's taken that on. And by the way, there is no better time to hit a run of form like this than when a top manager, brand new manager in Carlo Ancelotti, is coming to the club. And you can say to him, look, this is what I can provide. There's no need for you to go and spend money in January. I can be your long... Your long term, no need to be to buy a fifteenth centre forward at Everton. They go no. out every every transfer and buy another centre forward. Sean, uh, small sample size, but I think I suspect you can give me a dozen examples. It's not about the length of the time it takes for things. It's about the penny dropping. Footballers, it... there's a moment when for, if you're going to make a top professional, the penny drops, doesn't it? Absolutely, and I think there's a bigger picture here with the fact that it's been Ferguson who's probably guided. Calvert-Lewin over the course of the last three weeks. Well, since Silver 
got sacked, yep. and rightly so. You know, he yeah. got sacked because I, I feel at that point there wasn't a, a massive insular belief in the manager at Everton at that moment in time. And he overlooked, who I believe is a very good player in Calvert-Lewin. I've watched him mm. a, a number of times, not only at Everton, but prior to that at Sheffield United and for his the junior sides at England as well. He's a very good centre-forward. He's just got belief, and that's the key. Danny just mentioned there about many more of these types of players. Forwards are the exception. If you don't put your arm around them and tell them how good they are every single day, you don't get the player. You know, you get half a player, a quarter of a player. And I believe that that's what they've got at Everton now. You mentioned there his um, his games for England youth levels. Is there an outside shot here of him getting to the Euros? He's got five and five. If he continues like this, is he in with any sort of shot whatsoever? Because we're not that stacked in England at number nines at the minute. Obviously, Harry Kane. Wilson's fallen off a little bit. Harry many... Abraham continues to, to score yeah, goals and important goals. Very good against he? Arsenal as well. Yeah, today. I, 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 my suspicion is that Harry's ankle's not withstanding. It, it's almost you don't want to pick up too many backup, pick too many backups to him because he's going to start every game, yeah. isn't he? Uh, so you just need one player. And I suspect that will be um, Abraham. But Calvert Lewin can all he can do is put himself in the shop window there. Yeah, for that, absolutely, isn't it? absolutely. Um, somebody who won't be going necessarily uh, to. Um, the, the next European Championships of England's centre forward or backup. Someone I think I should put in the uh, the fray for hero of the week is Troy Deeney. Now Troy Deeney is not the player he was two years ago, but he is still Troy Deeney. And I think um, I know you with your LMA hat on will want to big up Nigel Pearson's contribution. Yeah. But it's coincide coincidence that Nigel's arrived at Watford and got seven points out of nine at the exact moment that Troy has got back into the team. And as I say, I don't think he's the player he once was, although he's still laid on um, the important goal and all the rest of it. But for me, it's some teams just have to have a leader, somebody who pulls all the strings of what this team, the talents these teams have together. And Troy does it because, you know, let's not beat around the bush. This is a fearsome human being. And you can you can talk about his criminal conviction for fearsomeness if you like, but he is a fearsome human being. And for the for most of this season when he's been out injured, you can see them that awful lackadaisical Watford squad wandering in at half time, two down going, Oh, Diego, you're playing a fantastic game, mate. It's a really unusual a bit unlucky to be two down there. Was a, yeah, Dave, you're absolutely right. We're great, aren't we? And where are we going after those China Whites? You stood on a miserable hundred and twenty thousand pounds a week. None of that with Troy Deeney. I suspect the first person who opens their beak when they're behind gets pinned to the wall and told, no, it's your fault and we need to sort this out very, very quickly. And for pure hero of the week, when he was questioned about his morals, about playing on around Matt Target when they were playing the rest of the team onside, uh, Troy Deeney, he doesn't take any rubbish from Pete. You just said, hang on, Greedish tried to nutmeg uh, somebody up the pitch. I'm not stopping. This is a life or death situation. We're both down the bottom of the table. I think he's a leader. I think he's a fantastic leader. And I think, and you can tell me how important the new manager is in all this, I think if he hadn't come back now, I think Watford would be consigned to relegation. But now I think they've got a fighting chance. And fighting is the popular word. Well, Danny, they were doomed, weren't they, four, four weeks ago. You looked, at the, you looked at the table and you just knew that one was... They were wandering was around the days, the football completely team. Completely gone. And there was such a disjointed group of players as well on the back of three or four managers that had taken the hot seat at Vicarage Road. And this is why I just believe that Nigel Pearson has just been exceptional. Absolutely unbelievable to galvanise that group, that collection of people from different backgrounds, 
but with this talisman right at the very top of it in Troy Deeney is brilliant and it gives them the best chance. I think they'll survive. I do. I, I really believe they'll wow. survive. I really do. I think they've come, he's coming straight away. I look at the other teams in and around the bottom four or bottom five and they're so close now to being proper danger. They get two or three more positive results and I know because I, I was in that type of situation at QPR where we you were. You see the doomed. signs, do you? You see the signs. You see this disjointment from the um, from the dressing room. All these different types of personalities and players who, let's get it right, are there for one reason, one mm. reason alone. Not now. I think Watford have. And we'll, we'll talk about some of these teams because in our worst performance of the week, not one, not two, but three of them look like they're now rivaling Watford. Uh, for that dead man walking title at the bottom of the division. Um, uh, we're recording this, uh, and it's just a, we've just seen that David Moyes has been appointed West Ham manager. We'll talk about West Ham in just a few seconds' time. Um, Mark, you were going to say something about Troy Deeney, and we all got distracted. Yeah, I think um, I, I agree, essentially, with Watford. I think that you... You've got with Watford, you've got some real quality players in there, particularly in midfield, who just needed, you know, a bit of a boost, something to come in and, and sort yeah. sort things out. Because I look at the likes of Ducouré, yeah. Will Hughes, uh, Capu, there's some decent players in there. Delefeo. Delefeo, as a, as yeah. A, yeah, yeah. absolutely. I mean, Pereira, if he re- re- regains some of the form from last season, could still do some damage. But now you've got Troy much more heavily involved again. And as a tag team in the dressing room with Nigel Pearson, they look like people who are winners who are going to drag you through and get something done, which I don't think a lot of the teams down there who they're competing with have those characters, those personalities, and they've got two of them. Yeah. So I think a, that's, a, that's, that's a, a lot to be said for that, I think. Well, we've already heard about Dominic Calvert-Lewin and Troy Deeney, our third nomination for Hero of the Week. Um, is also a forward player, and Sean, I think you're particularly fond of him because he, of course, he's now starting to do real good work for one of your former clubs. Well, I mean, obviously there's going to be some sort of connection with this player and myself because of my previous club and it's Jordan Ayew who's the centre forward at, uh, at Crystal Palace and I've not really watched Jordan closely like I have in this last two or three games I went to the West Ham game on Boxing Day I went to the Southampton game yesterday those that were there and those that haven't seen it by the way need to go on oh, YouTube and have a look at the goal that Jordan Ayew scored in the last five minutes against West Ham because I said I said it whilst I was there if that was scored by Messi yeah. or Ronaldo it would have been on every single stream throughout the week and weeks Absolutely. on end after that as well he does two pirouettes in the run it doesn't w- he it was oh. incredible the goal itself I thought defenders what are you doing stick your leg in there no this was most the most creative individual goal that I think we'll see all year well Danny when when uh, Son scored his goal earlier mm-hmm. in the season when he started from you know, 70 yep. yards out we raved about that I prefer the AU goal because I think it's in a more compact um, part of the pitch players around him much more tightly and he's pirouetted through it's like ballet What every touch in it is, is beautiful to watch and then by the way when he gets to the, the, the final part of this he's got the keeper to beat when you're beating all those people last minute of the game, you expect him just to thrash at it and just yeah. to get his laces on it and smash it. What does he do instead? Just the most calm man in the stadium just lifts it over the keeper. It's an absolutely beautiful goal. The word dink comes to mind, absolutely. doesn't it? Yeah. It was a proper dink. And what, when you throw into the equation as well, I think he cost just over £2 million. Now, here's the, here's the point, you know. Yeah. Um, he is both balancing out the karma and the financial aspect of 
the complete failure of Christian Benteke at Crystal Palace. Well, you look at you look at Jordan Ayew and you look at the goals that he's scored and the points that he's got the club is nine points. And that's just unbelievable. He really, really has led the line fantastically well. 300 grand a point. I mean, it's, cheap, it's, it's cheap incredible. Price, absolutely. Yeah. And, and what made it even more um, rewarding for Jordan is because Amazon covered the game itself and they waited for the interview with Jordan Ayew after the game and I think it was a it was a slow interview and it took forever. I haven't seen Sellers Park with that amount of fans still waiting to clap him off the pitch. It was a good 15 minutes wow. Danny, after the and, and the majority of the fans waited to clap him. It was um, it was a perfect goal. Where, where does it rank in terms of goals you've seen live? The best. Is it I'm the so, best? In terms of that type of goal, I would say that is the best of them types in, of in goal. that case, it must be very hard for us, despite the brilliance of Dominic Calvert-Lewin and the importance of Troy Deeney. Um, is it very hard to argue against Jordan Io for Hero of the Week? 100%. I, I think it's one of the best goals that I've seen for a while. I think it's probably, up to this point, the best goal of the season so far. And you're right, if it was a more glamorous team yeah. or a more glamorous name, we would have seen it all over our Twitter all, all week. Okay, well, listen, um, people will think we're having a seasonal goodwill fest here. Nobody's arguing about these things, but it was lovely exposition of the three um, runners and riders uh, for Hero of the Week, but Jordan Ayew, £2.5 eye-wateringly cheap by modern standards, um, is the man who is our Hero of the Week. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. Ready to get 30, 30, ready to get 30, ready to get 20, 20, 20, ready to get 20, 20, ready to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month. So give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. The Premier League All Access podcast is proud to be brought to you by Ladbrokes. There's a lot more to those 90 minutes than what goes down on the pitch. With the latest odds, form guides and expert opinions, you'll know the score with Ladbrokes. Odds update on Talk Sport with Labrooks. Are you in? Let's go. Play at labrooks.com, 18 plus, be gambleaware.org. T's and C's apply. And he slipped it through the middle, and here's a chance. It's 2 1 to Leicester City. Damari Gray, Leicester have piled the pressure on Pellegrini. It's West Ham one, Leicester two. No, you know, as a manager, when you don't, you don't have the result that you need to have. Of course, everyone will talk that you will not continue, that you will be sacked. Manuel Pellegrini has been sacked as West Ham manager following their defeat to Leicester today. They lost two one at home. Concert rolls it back to Capu across the face of goal, and there's number three. 
Ismail Assar surely now has sealed the win for Watford. He's found Aaron Moy. Oh, that's brilliant. An absolutely outstanding finish from Aaron Moy, which has surely won the game for Brighton. Our worst performance of the week now. Um, I'll tell you in advance that this is a, 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 a category that's going to be very hard fought because the recovery of Southampton Football Club, the recovery of Watford, means that for teams in and around um, the relegation zone of the Premier League, that most dreaded of trapdoors, um, this is not a time of year to start having bad performances. So come on down, three teams who are competing to be worse than each other. Um, Sean, why don't you start... Um, well, I mentioned I was at the Boxing Day um, fixture between Palace and West Ham. And uh, my worst performance is actually categorised for two performances, I'd like to put. Ah, um, West Ham... Are, double. Uh, oh, yeah, double double blow for West Ham and double blow for Pellegrini because it obviously culminated in, in him leaving the football club. But he played a 4-4-2 formation um, with two out-and-out centre-forwards. Lads who want the ball in the box, want to get on it in terms of aerial bombardment, knew that it was going to be a chance for them to try and implement... So one of those was Allaire, I presume. Yeah, and the other one was Antonio. Ah, so now, Antonio played at, at front. Which, at which stage in Antonio's amazing Christmas of <laughs> destruction and disguises... Self-destruction, probably. Um, ...was this? Because uh, Miguel Antonio, a player I, I really admire, actually, and uh, uh, my colleague here at Talk Sports, Stuart Pierce, was saying, he's one of mine. He's one of the ones that he found from the lower yeah. leagues. Uh, Mikel, Mark, describe. You're, you're the youngest, so you're probably most <laughs> social media contact here. Describe what we saw about Mikel Antonio. We'll come back to West Ham in a second. This is more important. This is brilliant. <laughs> so Mikel Antonio, on Christmas Day, I think it was, oh. um, was just doing what we were all doing on Christmas Day, which was we were driving our Lamborghinis. Yeah. Um, Sean was. Very quickly, yeah. whilst dressed as a snowman. So he's in a Lamborghini yeah. dressed as a snowman, yes? Yeah. yeah. And what he's done is he's uh, managed to crash the Lamborghini into, I think, a series of things. What, what's he crashed into? He's crashed into two what? brick... Two brick-built dustbin bunkers yeah. um, and somebody's front wall. And someone's front... Yeah, the wall of their house. Yeah. <laughs> so, I mean, I don't know... I Presumably nothing... He's not done anything illegal in terms of substances, otherwise no. this would be a different matter. Yes. But it we seems can, like a bizarre can, thing Nobody to was have... hurt. We can laugh about it from that point of view. A yeah, apart f- from a, yeah, a, pride, a, a bit of pride. A footballer in a third of a million pound car dressed as a snowman has entered somebody's Christmas dinner via the front wall, yeah? I yes. mean, what a man. What what a man. I mean, it is, it's actually a story for the ages, I think. Yeah. I'm a really big fan of this. But to be fair, to knock down... And he was calling himself Ansnowio online. Mikel Ansnowio. Yeah. I'm looking forward to the next Giacomo advert, that's for sure. <laughs> yeah, but to knock down those, those brick... Uh, yeah, walls. You've got to be going at quite a speed to do that, I imagine. Oh, so th- this this is the biggest thing since um, George Michael drove into Snappy Snaps in Highgate, <laughs> isn't it? Um, and then that uh, substances were uh, involved there with a great man. Um, so West Ham, uh, either side of this incident with, yeah. uh, with the snowman. So they had the snowman up front with um, Alair, <laughs> and um, not once did I see them really test the back four of Crystal Palace. And Crystal Palace defend, as we know, very well, um, predominantly throughout the season. But I was just amazed when he adopted this 4-4-2 formula. So he loses the game and he walks straight down 
into the tunnel, doesn't even acknowledge the West Ham fans. So you're thinking, right, there's a dead man walking there for sure. For sure. Fast forward 48 hours and Leicester make nine changes with no Vardy. And they essentially play the team that won the title five years ago, four <laughs> yeah. years ago, whatever it was, but without Jamie Vardy. Absolutely. Yeah. Wes Morgan got a game. Yep. Christian um, Fuchs Christian played. Fuchs played. Bless them all, yeah. Great, we- wonderful. But it, uh, but it was like a testimonial 11 that Leicester put out and they still beat West Ham. And the most abject performance does ultimately cost the manager his job. Talk to me about this. David Moyes is coming in now. We've had that confirmed. Um, I described this West Ham squad, on paper at least, at the start of the season, the best I can remember. The best since the glory days of Trevor Brooking and all the rest of it. Um, but am I wrong? Are they actually a bunch of losers? Uh, I, I think it'd be harsh to say because they have got individual talent without a doubt. But and what they have got w- gives them a great chance is the two midfielders, Rice that can and Rice Noble. and Noble. Mm. I mean, Noble had a confrontation with Agbonna and that probably mm. epitomised where West Ham are at this moment in time. But their lack of gumption, backbone leadership, is based, to me illustrated by the fact that every time they lose... They push Declan Rice out to face the yeah. press. He's 19, barely 20 years of age. And he does that weird thing. He says, look in my eyes. You can see how hurt we are. Well, actually, no, we can't because they're just your eyes. Well, it's the opposite of, of, of Watford's thing, isn't it? Where Watford have got these real leaders in there who not only will go and face the media, but also in the dressing room are pulling their socks up and getting, getting the job done. West Ham don't have that. On top of that, West Ham's you know marquee players, the likes of Felipe Anderson, the likes of the new signing Fornells, uh, Lanzini, okay, he's injured, but they just haven't been able to click at all this season. Hallo up front has has not been good at all, but he's had nothing to feed off, to be fair. Well, I take your claret and blue numpties, and I raise you my claret and blue numpties. <laughs> um, Aston Villa. Mm. Now, this I did not expect. When the uh, three teams got promoted, um, you can see what Norwich are going to do. They have, they have a plan A and they stick to it, however badly it's going for them. Um, Sheffield United, I thought that all the tactical innovations that Wilder has brought there would be sussed out very quickly by, by managers in the Premier League. But Aston Villa had a good squad of players, a big crowd, a big stadium, and then went out and spent £120 million. Um, not like Fulham, which looked scattergun and desperate to me, but with pretty targeted purchases. And I thought, wow, they're going to be all right. They're going to be comfortable. They're going to be safe at the very least. Now I'm thinking their most recent performance, what was it, 3-0 at Watford? 3-0 at Watford, yeah. You think, wow, that is, if ever you see a team, and I know I know the teams down the bottom beat each other, but to go there and be so useless. Um, and I just thought, now you're starting to see tiny bits of the wheels starting to come loose. The injury to McGinn, the one player who really has justified his transfer fee. That's huge, isn't it? Um, He's out for a minimum of two months. Terrible. Jack Grealish has had all the praise in the world. And yet now, when the team is relying on him more than ever, he's he's fallen away from the pinnacle he was at three or four, three months ago, six weeks ago. Um, And I think Aston Villa... I wonder if Dean Smith knows what to do about it, Sean, because, you know... He's he's got these players. Um, he's got a load that they spent money on, and yet you right now I don't I don't see what's changing at Aston Villa. To, I mean Wesley up front, another one. Mm. Um, I know it's all about conf- apparently you've got to, you've got to put your arm around them well, again and allow them to lick your face or something <laughs> in order to get a performance out of forward player. Is that right? Well, I, th- I think you made some great points there with. Well, it's with unusual. Villa. I, know. I mean it's um, it, but I don't think anybody would be 
pressing the panic button at this moment of time. They're below the dotted line. When uh, no, will they press the button? No, I don't. Th- I say it in the sense that if name me somebody who's available. I'm not saying get rid of Dean Smith, yeah, but but he's got to do something with the team. Absolutely, and the team's got to do something for but, him. Well, will they throw money at it again? Is that is that going to happen? They've well, shown they've got, that they they've got to the do money it. to do it. They have, but they they but don't. Am I right in thinking there was talk, dark mutterings about um, financial fair play? With regards to Aston Villa, and there was talk at the end of last season that they'd have to sell Grealish and Codger just to cover up all that. They've since spent another 120 million. Of course, the Premier League, the money's pouring in. They'll have to go again, Mark, is the answer to your question. Yeah, they, they must have. But did, did they trust Dean Smith to, to take care of that? I presume they've got somebody with a phony blowy type director of this or something yeah. who'll take the rap for that if it comes about. And if West Ham and Aston Villa are both um, pointing in the wrong direction, the next one that Mark wants to bring up for worst performance of the week, I think, is maybe the most surprising, or not, depending on what you think. Well, yeah, because this is a club that in the last few years have been getting rave reviews and plaudits from all over the place, and it's Bournemouth. I think that they have very rapidly started to flirt with relegation, and they're they're a real there's a real chance that they go down this season. Yes, flirt, they've already got half their clothes off. <laughs> yeah. Well, this is a little insight into your life there, Dan. Yeah, no, no, well, that, that's the main part of my life, as <laughs> I think you'll probably understand. But they are they are in serious danger. Yes, they've had, I mean, and to be fair, a real catastrophic injury list. I mean, I think they've of got course. 11 or 12 players But out. it's not how you get to the relegation zone. It's what you do, you know, it, it, once the, things happen. Refereeing decisions go wrong. We've heard that from Sean earlier. Yep. Injuries come. The manager and the players the fall out. Stuff happens. Yeah, of course. And they are now in a real relegation fight. They really are. And now we're going to see if all this praise that Eddie Howe's been getting over the last three or four years, is it justified? Because this is where we see him really earn his earn his money. Can he get this team with those injuries? Can he get them out of this situation? Can he get to any sort of level that they've been at the last few years? They're strikers at the moment. I've got these stats for you. Uh, Callum, Callum Wilson, no goal in 12. Uh, Dominic Solanke started um, against Brighton. No goal in 12 years. One goal in 47 games. Yeah, that's incredible. 19 million stuff. pounds he cost. They've got Nathan Aki. How much did he cost? 19 million. Yeah. They've got Nathan Aki, who is a fantastic centre-back, but Chelsea got the buyback option on him, mm-hmm. so he's going to go back there reportedly in January. If he goes, they could be in serious trouble much quicker than I thought. Sean, what it seems to me, and Mark, what it seems to me is that they're, they have stumbled across one of the most dangerous things, and that is the phrase established Premier League club. I'll tell you who's established Premier League. Manchester United, Manchester City, Liverpool, Tottenham, Arsenal, Chelsea, and possibly Everton. They are established Premier League clubs. All the rest of them, there's nothing more dangerous than when, after three years in mid-table, someone says, yeah. they're established Premier League club now. Stoke. Charlton, can't help me with this. Sunderland. Yeah. Too many of them, uh, done. A whole range of them. 16 to 18 you are, in the Championship. You, are you, never, need, you need to have the fear. If you're a club of that you're size, you need to the have the fear at all times that you could go down. Once you start feeling like you're, oh, we're part of the, we're at the big table with the big boys, that's when it's going to come unstuck. I think what's um, probably left Bournemouth at this moment in time is little old Bournemouth. Mm-hmm. the small club from the south coast because everybody now recognises that there's been so many millions plunged into that football All club. they've got left is the little stadium. That, Absolutely. And, and that's a kind of... But if you look at the, if you look at the players and the amount Sorry, of money that you, they've invested... Not watching, I was drawing a tiny little stadium. <laughs> I figured it just doesn't work in a podcast, does it? Little tiny stadium. Well, it's, it, it's a team that's cost probably... It's, it's been one of the most expensively assembled teams over the 
if you're looking at them teams out of the yeah, yeah. top six, it's probably the most expensively assembled team. And I know injuries cost, and they do cost you dearly, but they are in probably the biggest challenge that they've been in since they've come into the Premier League. And then they go to Brighton, where you know Brighton are not shaking any trees themselves. And you've got to get something from that game, it seems to me, if you're going to you know, hang on to the self-respect of being mid-table. The 2-0 defeat at Brighton mm. spells it out, bang, you are in trouble. real trouble yeah, now. Trouble. And not helped, as I say, by Watford turning it around to somewhat and Southampton, um, or should I say Danny, Danny Ings, Ings. <laughs> um, Danny Ings turning it around uh, for Southampton. I know it's when uh, we're talking about possible cover for Harry Kane for England, you, you put no mention no, of the Ings I'm whatsoever. Sure, I'm not sure why, because actually, yeah, he should have been in that list. That's that's my oversight there, Danny. I hold my hands up. Danny Ings yep. should be in the mix. I, I suspect you're not very well. <laughs> yeah, a little, bit, a little yeah. bit of a cold picks yeah, so, up over. So A, you can't play three games in a week, and B, you <laughs> can be forgiven. For not remembering that Danny Ings is playing out of his skin and is a very, very fine footballer. Outstanding. This is really hard. Worst performance of the week. Bournemouth whacked at Brighton. Uh, West Ham murdered in their sleep on two separate occasions. <laughs> um, and Aston Villa are going to Watford uh, themselves in the relegation zone and guaranteeing their own place in the relegation zone over the Christmas, sorry, the New Year period by going down 3 0. Um, you're sticking with West Ham? No, I'm going to give you the Villa one on the basis that um, there was. I mean, that was that was a real, real big hit. And when you lose to when you, when you lose to to Watford in the that can you invite yeah. Watford back into the race to put you into yeah. the lower league? Yeah, I thought that was a major. That was the biggest the biggest one for me this weekend. I'm going with yours actually. I'm going to go the for West um, for West Ham. It yeah, in the loss of the manager. Yeah. It does. Yeah, I think that's that's uh, it's. It's the the big point of the season so far for West Ham. Whether it's a good thing or a bad thing, we don't know. David Moyes is now in. Let's just roll the dice and see what happens. I suppose. Mm. On the on the on the fact that it was two terrible performances, I think I think I'll just about um, let Aston Aston Villa off the hook here. Um, but West Ham, I mean, you know. The manager was always going, the players just not having it at all, and the fans as well. Um, David Moyes may not be the most popular appointment either, but I think the worst performance of the week, um, because of their double-fisted effort to get the manager on his way, goes to West Ham United. We've come here and we've dominated a good team, a successful team. We, we have to enjoy that, that's what football's about, enjoying the highs. But we'll, we'll move on quick, I've always say, if we experience a big win, it's about not being complacent and building on it. We get straight back at it again and that's what we've been excellent at. The edge of the area is Alexander-Arnold! Oh, he's thrashed it home! Absolutely lashed it across the floor into the corner. A pinpoint finish from a terrific young player. They've sent a message to the entire Premier League. They thrash Leicester. It's 4-0. Our best performance of the week. Um, I'm going to start, if I may, because I, I want to hear very... because I'm really interested in both of your other ones. I'm going to get this out of the way in some, some ways. Um, obviously, I like Danny Kelly. I'm unlikely to be a Glasgow Rangers supporter. Um, but I watched with great interest um, the game at the top of the Scottish Premier League uh, on Sunday, which ended um, Celtic 1, Glasgow Rangers 2. Several things about it. One... Um, it's reignited the race for the Scottish Premiership. Two, if Rangers now win all their games for the rest of the season, they will be champions of Scotland. Three, its importance to Steven Gerrard was so evident at the end. Now, he's a pretty emotional guy anyway, but he was doing his nut. Partially, I think, because they played as well and dominated as much in the recent Scottish League Cup final, but somehow construed 
to lose the game. Well, they didn't lose this one. They won 2-1. They scored. Celtic got a controversial, VR would have ruled it out, equaliser. And then in front of 60-odd thousand, Rangers got the winner. Alfredo Morelos, just to put the cherry on the cake, got himself sent <laughs> off. His so far, card. zero goals against Celtic in the derbies. Three red cards. The man is a genius um, <laughs> and all the rest of it. But all joking aside, you could see the work. Sean, you would have been looking at this with a, with a more educated eye than me that uh, Stephen Gerrard has done. The back four, aided by Stephen Davis playing in your old position, and the two wide forwards making auxiliary fullbacks when it's needed. The back four shifted back and forth across the pitch with a military precision. So much so that a player as excellent as Craig Forrest eventually has to be substituted because they can't get the ball to him. Nothing that Craig had done. Craig had done nothing wrong. He'd done nothing because the Rangers wouldn't allow the ball to get to him. The running power of their outfield players, and I include Stephen Davis, who's in the twilight of his career, it's fair to say, in that um, and one other thing, coaching wise, um, Celtic conceded one of the, one of the goals because they had nobody on the post. Stephen Davis cleared not one but two headed corners off of the post. And I know zonal, and I know the offside, and I know all the reasons why they don't put people on the post. It's just that when the ball hits the bloke on the post, it just <laughs> looks like such a good tactic. Rangers, slightly jagged in my throat here, were superb, absolutely superb, absolutely. And I think this is the biggest. Um, shift that's taken place up in Glasgow for a number of years and don't you think at this moment in time when you're looking at these players that have recently left being a player and have gone into being a manager the Lampards the Lampards the Gerrards I mean Mm. Joey Barton's gone into Fleetwood Mm -hmm. but I look at I look at Steven Gerrard and his team don't half represent him that is Mm. that is Steven Gerrard with 11 players just representing him in today's game and the desire that he shows on the side of the pitch and the the way he celebrated that win today was I've never seen him like that as a manager before and I've, uh, uh, as we do we watch all the games and you see what he's like but that was deeper than that. Mm. That was so I mean, much it, deeper than just the win. It was sharpened as well win. by the fact that Morellas got sent off in the 94th minute. One of his assistants also got a red card. Um, but you'd expect that kind of mean spirit to emerge in a Glasgow derby. It's not the same game without it. Um, but he was, it was a tr- an amazing performance. But I'm not sure it's going to win a best performance of the week because of the two that you two have brought forward. Mark? Uh, yeah, I've gone for uh, not a player, uh, not a team, no. and not an individual performance. I've gone for Amazon Prime and their <laughs> a coverage. Platform. A platform. <laughs> a platform. A streaming giant. Yeah. <laughs> Amazon Prime. I've gone for them because they on, uh, I think it was Boxing Day, they had all the games. Every single game in the Premier League was being shown. There was an early one. There was a 3 o'clock. There was a 5.30. There was a 7.45. All of them were available to stream on Amazon Prime on any of your devices or whatever it is. And it was just an interesting glimpse into what will probably be the near future of how we consume our football. And I think there were there were teething problems with it, as there will be with with, with a, a new undertaking of the scale. Not least those of us who live in Ireland. I have a, a, I have an Amazon Prime account, but that, that's not good enough apparently. What do you need? Uh, yeah, I need, no, you can't have it if you if you live outside oh, the UK. Oh really? Yeah. Oh, there's little, I, I, there's ways around it. Now, I, circumvent, I, I circumvented it. Yeah, of course I did. It, there, there were teething <laughs> issues. There were teething issues, uh, but there was some fantastic stuff to watch. There was also. Um, a channel which was essentially like the Gillette Soccer Saturday channel, but you could actually go around and, and they'd show you the goals as they went in. Clever. And it feels like that is 
the next stage in how we watch our football. Well, it's surely. really interesting, isn't it, that um, we know that uh, essentially Sky, um, and when they first did the deal 20 years ago, they were interested in making sure that uh, you took other services and you had to get the football in order to get to the other services. BT come in because they understand that broadband is, is the, you know, the, the new lifeblood of a house, maybe more so than water and electricity almost, um, and so they wanted to have you as a cradle to the grave um, uh, customer. But BT is a national product. What we're seeing now is supranational, international yeah. um, products who want to have your custom, so Amazon Prime being a good example, yeah. and in order to, to reward you for the custom, they'll essentially give you football matches. Football is still the best thing for selling films don't do it. No, um, there's, there's, it, too, there's too much competition. No, there's, it's there's... football. And, uh, you know, as well as that, you know, Simon Jordan is the expert on this. Um, the, the Premier League has got to stop um, being a, a, a product that charges, you know, £100 a, a year. That's what, that's what, what do you pay a, a month, month for? I pay your... about 100, £106 a month yeah, for all the football things that I take in. Um, where, and so that's why the churn is, is up and why they're struggling to get more and more people. What you need is everybody, not just me and Sean and you, everybody in China and India paying three quid Absolutely. for, uh, for, for a, a weekly service and watching all the games. I don't understand why they don't do the American model. In America, for the NBA basketball, you, you pay $150 for the season. You get to see all the games at any time. Same for the NFL, same for the baseball, same for the ice hockey. Premier League could do their own app. You charge £10 a month or you charge £3 a game or 150 yep. quid for the year. Cut out the middleman of the, of the broadcaster. Broadcast it yourself. Obviously, use the same people, yeah. but you don't have to have that middleman. Brilliant, brilliant presenters and pundits. Absolutely. Um, absolutely. You get all the same stuff around it. And you can then, people in Africa, China, all the emerging markets for the Premier League, which, let's face it, that's who's funding the 150 grand a week players. And, it, and, it, and, and we, also, you solve the piracy, the piracy crisis in an afternoon. Yeah. Um, it's going to happen. So you're very right to put forward the performance of Amazon this week. I've left you till last, Sean, because... I think, although Manchester City won all the domestic titles this this year, I think it would be wrong not to end the year with some kind of reflection on just what the hell Liverpool Football Club are doing. Absolutely. And what a statement. And my best performance goes to them purely on the basis that at that moment in time they were playing their closest contenders for the title this year, which was Leicester, mm. which obviously had the, the old Liverpool manager at the helm as well. So you could imagine what it must have felt like for, for Brendan Rodgers to play against his one of his previous teams. Obviously, a great manager himself. I'm a massive Brendan Rodgers fan. However, So is he, by the way. <laughs> yeah, no. But, less, but Liverpool were phenomenal. I haven't seen the destructiveness of a team like that over the past half an hour of that game, the way that Liverpool just pressed every single button that they could press and they just single-handedly just battered Leicester. It's interesting, they isn't it? absolutely when we were, battered them down. When we were asking, you know, last year when you know, they got a million points, but City got a million and one, we are having a conversation on another programme about how they were doing this. And it's, it's clear and obvious what Liverpool do. Manchester City, it's, it's more of a mystery, isn't it? They kind of put you in a pot and gradually the temperature gets raised and raised and raised and eventually you boil and burst. Liverpool, it's no, it, it's no mystery about it at all. You stand on the tracks, the train comes and it hits you because yeah. they come at you like a train. And yeah. they're And I say, you know, um, it's rare. I'm trying to think back to the Galactico sides. Like there weren't teams of Real Madrid or AC Milan's team of 25 years ago. 
suddenly Liverpool had three or four, maybe four of the best players in the world in top ten players. The goalkeeper, Van Dijk, Mane, Salah, yeah. um, Alexander-Arnold improves every week. And this is, you know, they, they, and, and they're a team and they've got personalities and the manager yeah. and the reserves jump in. Brilliant though Manchester City have been this calendar year. I just think Liverpool are something else. It's something else we're seeing. They are. And um, again, throw back into the <coughs> equation today's performance when they, they beat Wolves and they could they can dog a game out as well. They're yeah. not just good on the eye like they were against Leicester. They're determined and they've got endeavour and they've got heart and they've got everything. They, they can and win in so many different ways, can't every, they? Every single way. I can't see it. I really can't see anybody beating them this and year. And they're similar in terms of what we're talking about Steven Gerrard, that they are a team built in Jurgen Klopp's image, the same way that Gerrard's a built Rangers. And, and a very clear identity, yeah. And, and I think that's what's so impressive is you just feel like you've got 11 Jurgen Klopps out there, but with this unbelievable technical level of ability. Yeah. Well, look, I thought Rangers were superb. I understand the importance of the Amazon thing. Um, I'm not going to pull rank here. If you you want to argue with me, I'm happy to do it. About this, at the risk of making this this podcast particularly touchy feely and not disagreeing too much about things, we'd have laughs instead, haven't we? Um, It would be mad given what Liverpool have done in the last calendar year they haven't won those three trophies but they are champions of Europe champions of the world and how many games have they lost in the league in a year virtually none virtually yeah. well maximum of one isn't it um, incredible performance of the week I'm happy to say we, going into 2020 we if we don't tip our hat to Liverpool here we're probably well, making us just look mugs. Does this make it 4-0 to you, though? I think I have won 4-0. Well, I can't yeah, give it I'm, you, I'm you I'm glad you've... Okay. Um, well, hang, hang on, no, I withdrew from the first one because <laughs> Mike Riley is so much the villain of the season. <laughs> I, I can't I can't let you have it. I mean, obviously no, you're right, but I can't I let you have it. No, It's so, Amazon. It's definitely Amazon. Look, Liverpool, yes, very well done. Good yeah. year, good week, no, no, whatever. That's right. But it, Amazon have re... They've completely changed the way we're going to look at football no, entirely. No, no, it'll be too crushing if Sean won all four. It's not that good a blow. <laughs> well, I'm still living in a Jordan A wonderland, so you can have your Amazon. Yeah, so Amazon is the winner then. Yeah, Performance of the week. God for that. Sorry, Liverpool, not good enough. <laughs> it's Amazon. Thank you very much indeed, uh, Mark Smith and Sean Derry. Thank to all of you um, who've listened to uh, this one or all of the Game Day Record Book podcasts. All that remains for us to do right now, and whenever you're listening to this, is to wish you a happy and prosperous New Year. Bless you all and goodbye. The Premier League All Access podcast is proud to be brought to you by Ladbrokes. The latest odds? We set them. Form guides? We've got them. Expert opinions? We share them. The best fans in the world deserve the best. Be match day ready before the whistle blows with Ladbrokes. Odds update on Talk Sport with Labrooks. Are you in? Let's go. Play at labrooks.com, 18 plus, be gambleaware.org. T's and C's apply.